Welcome to Closing Day. This podcast is for anyone looking to get into their very first home. The steps to buying a property are complicated. How much house can I afford? Where do I start? Should I just rent for the rest of my life? Hear from industry experts and get the answers. If you're looking to purchase your first home, you are in the right place. This podcast will help you get closer to closing day. Hey everyone, this is Cassie, the producer of Closing Day, and I'm here with our host, Kyle Pucko. Hey Cassie, quite the episode with Ronnie, our lender from First Interstate Bank right here in Missoula. Yeah, it was great. She just gave a lot of helpful information about what your lender should really do, not only on the financial side, but also being an ally for first-time home buyers and buyers in general, and about how it's a right to shop around for someone that really understands where you're at and what you're looking for and someone you feel comfortable with. Yeah, spot on. I think a lot of the myths that folks have around lending uh, revolve around, oh, I have to use the bank that I currently bank with to get my home loan. Not the case. It struck me that Ronnie was really passionate about educating people on the lending process, which makes her an ideal guest for our podcast. So we run through different people you can meet with, some really important questions to ask those people. And then we go through a lot of the terminology that can be really confusing and intimidating when you're meeting with those lenders. Things like conventional uh, versus FHA loans and what is an interest rate and how do the banks make money off your interest rate and what to be aware of. So I really think for our listeners, they're gonna their, their biggest takeaway will be just feeling ready to meet with that lender for the first time. This is a great episode to listen to to get the tools you need to take that first step. Yeah, jump in there. So let's, uh, on that, let's, let's jump into the episode. Thanks, Kyle. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Closing Day Podcast. We're here today with Ronnie Stevens from First Interstate Bank. Ronnie joins us with 17 years of banking experience right here in the state of Montana, and it sounds like a lot more before that. Uh, we're really excited to have her here to help us help us deconstruct one of the most confusing topics to any first-time homebuyer, the lending process. Ronnie, thanks for joining us, and welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess to start, maybe if you could help describe to our listeners what exactly is a lender and what does your job entail? I, I would say my job personally as a lender, I consider myself an educator. Um, I'm, I want to guide you through the process, and the sooner I see you, the better. Um, mm-hmm. I have young kids coming in right out of high school or just out of college, and it might not happen that very moment, but at least then they can start they know what they need to do to get their ducks in a row mm-hmm. in order to purchase a home. Very cool. An educator. I really like that. Um, that's a lot of the reason that our listeners are tuning in is to learn, you know, what do I have to do to get into a home? And what are those first couple steps? So if I'm, a, if I'm somebody that's decided, okay, I'm ready to own a home. I'm ready to make this jump into home ownership. Uh, I'm ready to stop paying my rent. Uh, well, maybe not until my lease is over, but I'm ready to get out of my lease and get into a home. What are those first couple steps? Or I guess, how many, where does somebody start? Do they show up to their closest bank, the bank that they work with? Do they ask a friend? What, what would you recommend somebody do to figure out, how do, I, how do I figure out what I can afford? All of the above. Get in there and get active. Um, I think the hardest thing is most people feel intimidated because they're not educated in the process. 
that's not your job necessarily. Your job is to ask questions, mm-hmm. to get educated, and go to the people that you feel comfortable with. And what I tell most people is talk with your parents, your friends, um, people that have just been through the home process. Mm-hmm. Um, check with your local bank um, or credit union. All of us do loans, yeah. um, and all of us have programs in place that will help first-time home buyers. The pre-qual process is free. So that part, at least most of the lenders here, I can't say that for every lender. Yeah. Interesting. Talk, can you talk about the pre, pre-qual? What is that and what, how, how soon before you're thinking, you know, if, it, if I'm ready to purchase a home in a year from now, should I be thinking about meeting with bankers today? Yeah. Two years ago, am I too late? Nope. You're never too late and, um, and never too early because knowledge is power. So if I have somebody coming in and they know they're not really ready, but they want to have an idea of where to start, we're going to look at your credit. And usually we pull from three separate bureaus. Mm-hmm. We're looking at an average of credit um, where if there are problems, then we can get going on it. Mm-hmm. We can tell you different things you can do to um, either beef up that credit route. Uh, FICO score, yeah. as they call it, or credit score. Um, and then also um, look at your income. And we'll w- walk you through what DTI is, your total debt to income ratio should be what they're looking for, mm-hmm. um, how your housing payment should be a certain percentage of your gross income. Sure. And you got to remember, we're comparing it to gross income. And this is what I tell a lot of my buyers. No matter what I approve you for, you have to understand what you really can afford. So Mm -hmm. my DTI, or total debt to income ratio, is I can go as high as 45 to 50 to 55, depending on the program that I'm using, Mm -hmm. okay? You you know what actually gets taken out of that paycheck. So if you've got health insurance, um, consolidation loan, because sometimes you can borrow against your 401k. There's a lot of things that come out of that paycheck. So by the time you're done, you might be coming home with only about 60%. So what I hear you saying is you may qualify. As you said, you can go in and get pre-qualified for free. And your lender might hand you a piece of paper that says you're qualified for a $500,000 home. Right. And you look at that and you high five and you say, okay, let's go look at all the half a million dollar homes in the county. Understanding, though, that there's a lot that you might not be able to afford. Right. That, that, that's, that number is maybe a bit deceiving. Well, because you have to really, and if people are willing, I'll sit down and we'll break it out. What do you really bring home? Mm-hmm. And let's look at that net pay and see what you qualify for. Because mm-hmm. I qualify based on gross, which is unfair, I think, to a certain degree, mm-hmm. because a lot of people um, don't take home what they make. So um, what I try to do is make them look at it both ways. Yes, you can afford it on paper, but because we don't factor in health insurance, utilities, there's a lot of things we do not factor in. You look at the pre-tax, pre-everything, what's your gross income. Yes. Got it. And we also don't take into consideration phone bill, heating Mm -hmm. bill. And so those are things that... Budgeting. Yes. What does your budget consist of? Exactly. It's like when I tell people when they're shopping, the first thing I tell them to look for is taxes and heating bills. So, and that's a really great point, taxes and heating bills. And and so if one of our listeners is doing the responsible thing, they've penciled out a budget, and Mm -hmm. right now they're 
their budget for rent is $800. I think a big question is, well, what can I actually be expected to pay once the dust settles after closing day and I get my first mortgage payment? How much is that first mortgage payment going to be? And I think that's a, it's a mystery to a lot of folks that say, I want to get into a $300,000 home. I don't have the first clue of how much I'll owe. And right. that, of course, depends on many different factors. Exactly. Um, Missoula does have a pretty hefty tax base. Um, some areas more higher tax than others. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I tell people when you're shopping. Property if, taxes. Yes, yeah. yes. If you're shopping, if you don't know, if you give me the address, the county, you can look up those tax bills mm-hmm. and at least get an idea. Or you should be asking the realtor or um, if it's a for sale by owner, ask the owner. Because um, you really do. That's a big part of your tax bill. So if it's $3,000 a year, you got to divide that by 12. And that's what's going to be on your payment in addition to your principal and interest. Definitely. And then you've got homeowner's insurance. And if there's any HOA dues. HOA, home. Right. But yeah. a good lender is going to break all of that out for you. They're going to show every aspect of what the payment's going to look like what kind of skin in the game you're going to have to have, um, yep. those those items. So when you sit down with that lender and they can go through all this for you, do they bill you for this time? How does, nope. that, how does that work? Free. And so are you committing then to say, as soon as I meet with this lender, this is the lender that I have to go with? No. And how never. many lenders would you recommend a first-time homebuyer um, meet with? Is there a shopping process? Do you recommend that? I tell people you shop until you feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just like anybody else. We all don't just click. So um, I I do real well with first-time homebuyers because I'm very, ex- I love to explain. I want questions. I want them engaged in the process. Mm-hmm. But now a more experienced lender would find me maybe a little tedious because I really want to make sure they understand what the whole what they're paying for, uh, what their APR is, what their cost total for the loan, how much money they'd save based on a 30 to a 15 year. Sure. Um, I want them to ask. Yeah. So. You mentioned APR. Can you explain what that is? APR is the cost of a loan. It's reflected okay. as an interest rate kind of because it's in a percentage form. Mm-hmm. But what it really is doing is it's showing you that the interest rate you pay and the APR are usually different because there's fees associated with doing a loan. Okay. And again, the lender should give you what they call an estimated cash to close. And it's going to show you all those fees broken out. That's Some nice. of those fees are based on income, of course, because banks, credit unions, were not nonprofit. Mm-hmm. So we have to do something that is going to pay the bills. But right. then there are fees that are just associated with the loan that are dictated by the secondary market in order to sell them and get that great interest rate. Mm-hmm. Um, you got an appraisal. You have to have title insurance. There's recording fees for the instrument that puts the lien on the property. But then we also have what they call prepaids, which mm-hmm. is your uh, usually you get homeowner's insurance, but we'll pay it that first year's premium out of close. Okay. And then we have what they call escrow buckets, which is we collect the taxes and insurance in your payment and we escrow enough at closing so that when the next payment comes due, we're right on track with your payments 
to That's make nice. those. So payments. you're not writing seven different checks every month, right? You're you writing one, one to us. The only thing the mortgage payment doesn't really cover is HOA dues. That is something that you would pay separately out of your closing or out of your mortgage payment. Can you just briefly explain what those are? Um, In Missoula, there are areas that might have shared or common areas like parks, or they might be on a private road, Mm -hmm. um, or they're in a... a, um, a condominium, mm-hmm. or they're in a PUD, and a PUD is a planned unit development, a lot of times townhomes. And what the HOA dues pay for is the maintenance that might be uh, needed oh, yeah. to clear that private road, to repair the private road, to pay for open space like parks or Mow the grass like that. of those space. Right. And- Right. Fix the roof if something happens to the roof. Well, in a condo, that would be the case. Sure. Maybe not. Not on, Yeah, not on all of them. Because yeah. some of them, condo is basically you buy the interior, the exterior is owned by the homeowners association. So understanding, hey, HOA fees, that's probably later when you are looking at places and saying, exactly. do they have these or not? Right. Great. It's something you want to ask. Um, let's talk about mortgage brokers. Yeah. So there's bankers. Lenders, mortgage brokers, and can you explain the difference between the two? And do you recommend folks visiting both? And it's kind of, is a mortgage broker considered a banker? I think those are a lot of questions people have. Okay. Um, A mortgage broker does not lend money. They find a conduit for you to get your money. Now, the nice thing with some mortgage brokers, especially those that are very honest and upfront, they're going to find you the best deal that's out there. So they do all the legwork for you. Hmm. The thing is, though, is there is no guidelines out there for their markup. So I tell people, if you want to use a mortgage broker, please, by all means, use whoever you feel most comfortable with, but shop. Mm -hmm. Definitely check with other institutions because they can, they don't have the same, um, we all markup loans. That's how it works. Um, um, when I price a loan, I price it based on your credit. There's risks involved sure. in that pricing. Um, so if you have better credit, you're going to get a better interest rate. If you have less than perfect credit, you might not get the best interest rate. Mm-hmm. But um, there's also other reasons we mark up a loan. And profit is part of it. So sure. there's uh, um, with mortgage companies, that is their profit. So depending on how, or mortgage companies, brokers, yeah, brokerage firms. Yeah, the markup firms. on a loan. Right. They mm-hmm. mark it up based on what the seller will buy it for. And so the either the borrower pays that outright with um, fees right on the front of the loan, as they call it, or it's paid to them by the person that buys the loan. But the interest rate is tiered based on that markup. Mm-hmm. So, but what I try to tell people is, Don't get too haywire if you're looking at an eighth or a quarter of a difference in interest rate. We're talking maybe $11 for every eighth on a $150,000 mortgage. Oh, wow. So Don't get bent out of shape. Don't don't freak out about it because, you know, four and a half, yes, it sounds better than 4.625 or 4.75, but it's not that much difference in a payment based on 30-year mortgage. Sure. Sure. Um, That's really great. So it sounds like, you know, I think the difficult part when you're shopping for lenders and figuring out, well, okay, where do I want to borrow all this money from is I can go on amazon.com and we're sitting at a desk and I can compare desks really easily. I can say, well, this desk is $79 and it has 
100 five-star reviews and this desk is $150 and it has 700 five-star reviews and I can make a consumer choice. Um, sometimes with lending, it feels like there's a lot of things that aren't present in that initial sheet. Is that true? Is that a myth that you can shop and say, what is what will my interest rate be on this loan? And you could get three different answers. So I'm you know, I'm looking at a $100,000 home. I can put 10% down. So I'm going to put $10,000 down on this home. I need to borrow $90,000. Three different people can tell me it will cost you three different amounts to borrow that $90,000. Yes, unfortunately. Um, but what I tell most people is those are the things you're going to look at. And each person should be able to give you, free of charge, an estimated idea of what the fees are. And then, because some people are interest rate driven, some people are cost driven. But the other thing is, is some people don't want to be sold around left and right, trying to figure out who their new lender is. So local lenders, a lot of us, we can keep the servicing. Even though we'll sell to Fannie or Freddie Mac, we keep the servicing. Can you explain that a little bit, what you mean? What it means is uh, when I close your loan last month and you have a question about your payment this month, you can call me directly. I don't wash my hands of you. I stay with you for the 30 years, or I'm hoping I won't be working for 30 more (laughs) years, but basically, you will hand somebody off to the next Ronnie. If I I can't answer the question, I'll find out who can. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's always that local, you, you can come to me. At any time, if you're if you have questions about how your escrow, because your escrows are analyzed every year because your payments go up, people come to me and they say, "Okay, what does this mean?" And I right. say, "Well, if you pay the shortage, it'll go up this much, and if you don't pay the shortage, it'll go up this much." But it's what you're comfortable with, and um, but say like right now, Missoula is allowing a lot of uh, people to subdivide their properties. Right. Um, that's a big thing. So I get calls on that all the time. And because I'm a local lender and our servicing is retained in-house, it's very easy for me to get them the answers. Yeah, you understand the local jurisdictions right. and local laws. Where if yeah. they call, and I'm not saying that uh, the larger banks aren't good to work with, they just, a lot of them are going to say, nope, you got to refi. You're just going to have to get out of the loan with us because we're not going to deal with that. Sure. So folks listening outside of Montana, it's important to understand that understand your local jurisdictions and right. perhaps the local credit union is a better option or the local bank. Exactly. Because you got uh, the smaller banks have their conduit and there's a reason that people do business with them. It's because they are local. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do a loan with you that I don't believe in good conscience is going to be the best deal I can get for you. Because I got to live with you day in and day out. Right. I see you at school. I'll see you at a restaurant. I definitely, you're very important to me. You're, There's big value there. Yeah. yeah. To, so For the consumer too to say, okay, I'm, I'm banking locally. Yeah. That's a big deal. They can. And some people don't need that. But mm-hmm. it's one of the pluses, I guess. Is it possible to not pre-qualify for a loan? So I go in and I say, I'm ready to buy a home and figure out how much I can pre-qualify for. Is it possible to say you don't, you can't buy a home? Does a lender say that? Yes. Yes. Um, Most of the time, it's either because, you know, uh, unfortunately, if you're making $2,000 a month total household income, there's not much here in Missoula you're going to be able to afford. 
because basically a housing payment should not exceed between 30 and 32% of your gross income. Well, do the math. 30, 32% of $2,000 a month, it's, it wouldn't even cover rent. And right. that's where I see a lot of frustration. Sure. Because they're like, well, I'm paying $1,000 a month in rent. Well, you're rent burdened. Yep. And not that you aren't doing what you should be doing and you're making your payments and all that. But the secondary market has guidelines that we have to follow, government loans included, where um, the housing payment can only exceed to about 32% of your gross income. And then depending on the program, we can go anywhere from about 43 to 55%, depending on which program we're trying to put you into. Mm -hmm. Now, unfortunately, there are a lot of people that are paying way more than that in rent and doing a good job and have good credit. Making it work. Making it work. But unfortunately, we have to be able to sell it. And yep. they're just not out there. Sure. Um, I'm sorry. I kind of lost track of the question. No, that you answered yep. it. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah. No, that's really great. And can you talk a little bit about the different um, types of loans that exist out there? And maybe from a macro standpoint. So people say, okay, great. I, I can qualify for a loan, but um, maybe there are some options out there, and you mentioned as we were talking before the podcast that one of the biggest myths is the 20% down, oh, and yes. that there's other options for folks. Yes. Um, basically, there are two types of loans far as conventional has a fixed and an adjustable rate mortgage. Um, and then if you do not put the traditional 20% down, they have what they call mortgage insurance. And again, if you have good credit, that mortgage insurance is nominal. I mean, it's it's very realistic. And then we have what they call government loans. And government loans also kind of fall into the people with less than the traditional 20% down. Mm -hmm. The thing is, is different government loans do different things. Rural development is out there because we're a rural area. And they understand that there are homes that are not on the the lot and block kind of city lots um, that are going to have wells. They're going to have septics. Um, Their whole goal is to get people into homes with little or no down. Um, So Mm -hmm. basically you can finance up to 100% of the loan. Um, And the only thing you're responsible for, though, are the closing costs. Mm -hmm. But seller can pay those. You could negotiate that into the buy-sell. You could have a gift from parents or family. There's different ways. And there are also grants out there that if you qualify for, we could look into using that, which would help you with anywhere from um, five to $10,000. And grants, money basically that is given to you that you do not need to pay back? Um, some of them. Some of them. Some of them are what they call deferred. Okay. Uh, you don't make a payment, but when you sell the house or refinance it, you pay back the principal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Montana Board is a great example. They have a zero deferred interest rate loan, and it's for $6,000. Wow. Well, that's $6,000 that all you have to do when you sell your home or you refi, and usually there's enough equity to capture that, you pay it back. Wow. But the whole life of the loan, you don't have to pay it. So ask your lender about these opportunities. Yes, yes. Oh, my gosh. There are so many programs out there. That's great. Um, Again, though, they are income-driven, and there are case-by-case scenarios where one might not qualify. 
and this is a little bit off topic of lending, or maybe it's directly on topic, but why would why would the local government, the state government, or the federal government um, want to encourage home ownership? So why do they why do they want folks to have access to these loans and these opportunities so that they can get into a home? Home ownership is good for the economy. For every homeowner, they employ roughly six people in different industries. Um, when home ownership is good and people are buying and selling, it makes the world go round. Hmm. And when you see a slowing in housing, there's other criteria that might follow. Interesting. Trends like unemployment increase. Yeah. Uh, unemployment could be one. Uh, the economy, the stock market. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's different reasons why it ebbs and flows, of course. Uh, homeownership is also, um, I, personally for me, it creates communities. Yeah. People are way more invested in the safety of their community and the vibrancy of their community when they live in that community and they have an investment. They may be more likely to take care of their property. Exactly, because they own it. Raise their kids in that neighborhood. Right. Great. It's it's just generates a safer, uh, more vibrant community. We've talked a lot about interest rates. Yeah. And I know that this definitely depends on the timing of mm-hmm. some, when someone is listening to this, but can you give kind of a ballpark for folks of what an interest rate might consist of when you're looking at, I'll get a, I'll use that example of I have $10,000 down on a $100,000 home. I'm borrowing $90,000. Is my interest rate 20%? Is it 2%? Is it 5%? What's the range there for folks okay. to consider? Today, the conventional loan is about 4.5%. It could be a little bit lower at bigger institutions, a little bit higher at smaller institutions. But roughly, it's about 4.5%. Um, and that is based on good credit and a minimum of 5% down. Put 5% down if you have a credit score of? What's I would range? say um, at least 720, um, 740. Okay. Um, and I can check that. Credit Karma. Creditkarma.com is Ronnie's that's recommendation. What, that's what I use. Okay. I love it. I Head think there. it's a great little service. And... Um, they really give you good tips and they tell you if somebody's looking at your credit. So it's a good um, tool all the way around. It, you can Great. see your balances. You can see um, uh, credit reports every so many months. They'll tell you you can look at it again. Okay. Um, and they say don't check your credit score too often because it will ding your credit. This is, is that, different. This is different. Yes. See, Great. if I pull your credit, it does ding it. But again, if you're shopping and you have uh, several lenders pull your credit within the same time frame, yeah. it doesn't because the syst- they know you're shopping. They know that, oh, something's going on in this right. person's life that they need to- Just like when you do a car loan, sure. you might have several pulls on your credit. Yeah. If it all happens at one time, that's fine. Mm-hmm. It's when you've got a credit pull here for this and a credit card for that, especially right. people shopping for the 0% interest rate on credit cards. Mm-hmm. They get in a lot of trouble with that. Stay away from the 0% uh, <laughs> yes. ads on the side of your browser. Yeah, sure. Because they pull credit every time. Interesting. Good tip. Good tip. Um, so 4.5% is kind of where the the barometer stands right now. Um and that's for 5% down with a 720 credit score. And that's just a blanketed, this could be what, you, what you're getting into. Right. And now, of course, we're going to, you got to qualify. So yep. your ratios have to be in line and 
the housing ratio roughly is 30 to 32. It can be a little bit higher if the total debt ratio is lower. So mm-hmm. sometimes it can, it doesn't, nothing is truly set in stone. Each borrower has their own set of circumstances that will mold them into a specific type of loan. Most people, though, when you're dealing with conventional loans, that's about, that would be the rate today. But now if you're going government today, we're looking at four and a quarter. Mm-hmm. And the reason that rate is a little bit lower is because those loans are guaranteed by the government. Right. And um, so they they definitely um, have their place. And I think that a lot of the market for a lot of people, that's the only way they're going to get into a loan. And the only way to know is to ask. Go right. to your lender. Mm-hmm. A couple more questions before our closing time uh, question round. Um, taxes. You mentioned property taxes, and you can find out what those are pretty easily by meeting with a lender. But can you talk about ways that owning a home either increases or reduces your overall taxable income? It is that used something to that you be, talk to folks about? It used yeah. to be. I'm not a CBA, so Got I'm it. just going to say that. And I know with the new tax laws, things have changed. Mm-hmm. They've put caps on it. Um, yesteryear, sure. uh, it used to be that you could declare most of that interest, especially on a 30-year note. Mm-hmm. Those first few years, that interest is uh, quite a chunk of change sure. um, that you can deduct on your taxes. But... Um, Honestly, I and I know you could you used to be able to be able to do your property taxes as well, mm-hmm. but I know that with the new tax laws, there's a lot Things of changes changing. to that. Um, far as I think there are caps, okay, and with the increased uh, um, normal deduction that you can use, mm-hmm. I don't know if a lot of people will find the same benefit. But got it. Maybe uh, we bring a CPA in and yes. dive deeper into this yes. topic. Yes, uh, yeah. because matter of fact, I'm taking another class on it just to see all the changes that are happening to the 2018 tax return. Really? Yeah, interesting. So before we proclaim, buy a house that saves you on your taxes, we should probably exactly. bring in a CPA to confirm. And, and if that's that why way. you're buying a house, don't. Don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah, good tip. Um Okay, well, let's jump into a segment that we call Closing Time. So we're going to ask you just a couple quick questions that we Mm -hmm. try to ask every guest. Ronnie, what do you see are the big myths associated with buying a home? 20% down, and that's a huge one. Uh, You can't get a loan if you have bad credit. That's a myth. You can't get a loan if you have bad credit. Right. Because bad credit, what is bad credit? Mm-hmm. I can tell you there are bottom line credit scores that they look for, but there is scenarios where most people, if they haven't really totally trashed their credit, which what I say by that is write-offs, a lot of lates, current lates, um, most people can get a loan. And if I have bad credit, and I think, oh, I'm, I'm going to have to wait 10 years before I can own a home. No. This is you not can true. have that corrected probably 6 to 12 months if you're really getting on it. And what I mean by that is a lot of times people will have a, a medical collection. Get it figured out. Get it paid. Um, within a few months, you'll, you'll see your credit going up. Very cool. 
Yeah. That's encouraging for I'm, I'm sure for a lot of folks to hear. Yes, uh, and and some of the government loans don't even require you pay off medical collections. Wow. Um, if you had one piece of advice for someone considering making the jump into home buying or home owning, what would it be? I would say get in there as fast as you can. Educate yourself as soon as possible. The more you know, even if you're not ready, the more you know, power, education is power. Mm-hmm. Um, the lender is going to be able to guide you far as what you need to do to beef up the credit different things you could do to start saving if you want to have money for closing costs. Um, it's, it's, it's one of those things, the sooner you do it, the better. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have to do it? No. Um, is it required? No, it's not. Um, I have tons of people come in with a buy, sell, and say, oh, I'm ready. I need a loan. I get a loan. Right. Uh, but I also have a lot of realtors saying they won't deal with somebody unless they know they're already pre-qualified. Yeah. Because they don't want to waste your time. They, they need to know what you can afford. And do you get a piece of paper that you walk out of your yes. bank with that then you share with? Whomever you want to. I don't share it. You're allowed to. It's Consumer. your piece of paper. Sure. And now basically a prequal is the paper it's written on, though. Think about this. I pull credit. You tell me what you make for a living. Mm-hmm. If any of that doesn't pan out, like what you think you're going to have for assets, what you think your income is, unless you bring in a pay stub voluntarily, because I'm not going to ask you for those things, I the prequal is based on our first initial conversation in credit. And basically, you tell me what you make an hour, or if you're salaried, I calculate your income based on the information you give me. And that's what the initial prequal is. It's saying you do technically qualify for this. But in the prequal letter, it says, if things change, this prequal letter might not be valid. If you lose your job, if you like exactly. circumstances. So when you first meet with a lender, what should you bring? It sounds like you don't need to bring much. No. Uh, yeah. I tell most people, bring your identification because sometimes they'll want to make sure you are who you are. Bring that. Yeah. Um, but really, uh, the way the the regs are, we don't require that you bring in any income documentation, deposit documentation. Basically, what we're doing is based on credit and the income you've provided, we qualify you on that. Now, again, the only person that's going to hurt if when we go to verify that income, because we will, and we verify everything, we're a bank um, or a lender, period, because we're lending you a lot of money. Sure. but it, basically, if we verify stuff and it doesn't pan out for whatever reason, it doesn't necessarily mean that that prequal is going to be denied. It means that it could change. Sure. Maybe you qualify for less money or um, maybe more. Sure. Could go either way. Either way. Yeah. Yep. What is one piece of financial advice that you'd have for someone looking to save up to buy a home? Start saving. Start saving. Start saving. I I tell people this all the time. It does not matter how little the amount. If you just put it in an account that you won't access when you see that you've got a few hundred dollars in there. Right. Um, I I tell most of my customers, create a home account. And uh, again, most banks have free checking. Credit unions Mm -hmm. do it for you automatically. Uh, When you open a checking account, usually they create a savings account. Use it um, to your advantage. $5 a week, $5 a month. Yeah. 
the idea is you're putting money away and you'd be amazed at how quickly it does start to accumulate. The discipline of yes. putting this money aside and not touching it. Right. Um, you pay off a credit card and you're paying down debt. Take $20 of that and put it into a savings account. Sure. There's different ways you can trick yourself. And I tell people if you do it automatically, you because the hard part is the discipline of taking the money out of the checking account and putting it into a savings account. Well, then don't do that. When you get paid, uh, have your have employer put $20 into an account yep. every time you get paid. It's shocking how quickly you can save it can add a up. few thousand dollars. Great advice. What is a financial literacy book that you might recommend for folks or any book? I love Mortgages for Dummies. Mortgages for Dummies. Or Home Buying for Dummies, okay. I apologize, by Eric Tyson. Great. It is a very funny, kind of simplistic, straightforward way. It talks about the terminology. It talks about just the process. The terminology can be... Yeah, so it, confusing. Well, and it's it's intimidating because I'm in the industry, so I listen to it day in and day out, and I forget. And I love it when a customer will go, wait, wait, wait what is that? I, because right. then the it question. stops me and makes me realize, wait a second. Yeah, I think that's an important reminder for folks to yep. Ask. never feel like, oh, I'm, they're the experts. I just need to listen. Nope. Definitely it's like Continue a doctor. Asking. They're an expert, but you They're have to be wearing the lab your... coat, but yeah. you still want to ask the questions. Exactly. Uh, and our last question of the day, are there any good resources online for people to visit about uh, lenders? Okay. Um, actually, for lenders, uh, unfortunately, most of it is for profit. Um, mm -hmm. So like if you said, I want to see the top 10 lenders in Missoula County, you're not necessarily getting the top 10 lenders in Missoula County. The it's results who, are paid. or Right. Yeah, it, sure. it's, it's sponsored type advertising. Um, what I tell most people, if you really want to just learn about mortgages and get a good feel for the lending process, go to Homeward. Homeward they have right a here in fabulous yeah. website that has lots of materials on it, but they also offer financial fitness for a very minimal fee. It really talks about everything from investing to loans, to car loans, to credit cards, to credit itself, what the monster it is, mm -hmm. um, how to budget. Great resource right there. Great th yes. Online. And then they also have the First Time Home Buyer Program. Sure. And their class is fabulous. Yeah. I mean, you- We talked with Julie last week yep. about it. She said it fills up very fast. And if you're listening outside of Missoula, outside of Montana- um, they're thinking about maybe going digital with it, so that could which be, would be wonderful could be great. because so we'll then make they sure could to put some some links in the show notes for folks to find more info on Homeward, and maybe you can find similar resources in your area. Well, in the state of Montana, they have NeighborWorks, which is out of Great Falls, okay. and basically they work in the areas that Homeward does not. Cool, but so they do coverage. the same thing. Yeah, and. Um, I know in other states they have other programs that are very similar because we all are suffering through this housing, yeah. and it's always been an issue, especially in the cities. Ronnie, what didn't we ask that you were hoping we would ask you? What a conventional loan really is. Yeah. Uh, a conventional loan is basically not a government loan, and it kind of goes along the guidelines set forth by Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, which are also government entities. 
Mm-hmm. Um, how the interest rates are the way they are is because the government has gotten involved and stopped because uh, it used to be back in the day before the Great Depression, lenders could charge whatever they wanted based on the comfort level of the loan. And then Freddie and Fannie kind of got were developed so that everybody could afford a house. Kind of like when Ford got into the automaking, everybody could afford a car. Yeah. Well, it's a very similar concept. So basically, conventional loans, uh, the reason you would do that, say, over a government loan is conventional loans don't have all the – there's some strict requirements to government loans. Like, say you buy a house. Five years down the road, you you got an, an opportunity to take a job in Seattle, but you want to keep your home here. Say you're going to rent it out. Well, some of the government loans, you can't do that. Not an option. Not an option. You have to refinance it into a conventional loan. Okay. So those are, that's just a simplistic. In some ways, they can be limiting. So there are guidelines that right. Maybe not the freedom of a conventional loan. As long as you stay within the parameters, everything is fine. But Mm -hmm. if you have some life circumstances or plans with your property that maybe you're not. Exactly. Forthright with your lender, they might uh, well, things might change. And depending on the entity, they could technically call the loan due. And what does that mean? Um, you know, if you're in breach of the deed of trust that's filed on the property, that's a lien. But that deed of trust is like 19 pages long, and there's a lot of technical information in there about yeah. what, you know, how we're treating that home. Sure. You know, and then they say, okay, you owe all the money that you owe the bank, right? Today, could. I, I have never seen it done. But I haven't it, seen it done, but it could Yeah, happen. it could technically happen. So yeah. I just want to always put that out for people. Yeah, great, great tip. And a, and a great tip to, to end our episode today. So Ronnie, thank you for coming in. And um, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, is there a way that you'd like to say, hey, if you have other questions about the lending process, here's how you get a hold of me? Or yeah. they can kind of go to uh, First Interstate Bank and look you up. First Interstate Bank, um, my email is veronica.stevens at fib.com. Great. Phone number is 406-523-4377. We'll put those in the show notes. All right. Ronnie, thanks a lot. Thank you.